Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Welcome to the Debunking Economics podcast. Now, the economy is, of course, based on information. We need information to invest in companies, and we need to do that to fund growth. But it's always a bit of a punt. Uh, the company could collapse and we lose our money. So we research and make sure we invest wisely. Now, in an ideal world, we'll know everything there is to know about companies we invest in. But in reality, we'll never know as much as the people running the company. So gambling is a key part of the way capitalism works. But what if you reduced or removed that gamble? Uh, to talk about that, Professor Steve Keen is with us again. Well, let's start, Steve, uh, with this idea of information. It is uneven, isn't it? The head of a business seeking funding obviously knows a lot more about the company than the investor. Yeah, well, that's that's um, um, that's a, you know, it's obviously true, but at the same time, they can delude themselves. Not forget about the capacity for, central, uh, for top managers to um, maintain a, a yes-man bubble and uh, and believe their own uh, BS. Yeah, but, that's true. <laughs> uh, but, but the fundamental point of reference, I mean, the question is, compared to what? And uh, the, the reason that asymmetric information, which is uh, the, main, the main reason Joe Stiglitz got his, uh, his Nobel Prize, the reason it's been such a standout success in mainstream economics is their point of reference is assume everybody knows everything. When they talk about perfect information, they literally mean, oh, you know, everybody knows everything about anything. Uh, and, the, and when they somebody pointed out they had to involve the future, oh, well, in that case, they've got a model that lets them predict the future accurately, not a problem. Uh, total off the off the tree fantasy stuff. I once had a guy um, that a, a, a conventional little a young conventional neoclassical economist were getting really angry at my presentation in a seminar, and uh, as we're walking out, we're having a, continuing having an argument, and he calls behind me as I'm, as I'm walking away from him. He says, uh, "We've got to make some simplifying assumptions." And I simply said back, "Mate, you've got to learn the difference between a simplifying assumption and a fantasy." Mm. Now, the neoclassical position is a fantasy. Uh, the good point of reference, and this is one reason I have a, a fair bit of time occasionally for Austrian approaches to economics, is Hayek's point that uh, we know very little information uh, and we have a, a rough idea of what applies to our own little uh, immediate circumstances, but not much better than that. Uh, the big bad world out there is unknown by most of us, so we'll make various extrapolations to, to try to handle what's going on in the un, un, the giant unknown that's the majority of uh, the information in which we live. Uh, but the market, he says, enables us to aggregate these tiny amounts of information and overall reach something which is reasonably intelligent. And that's a much more sensible perspective than what the market does than the mainstream has. Now, in that situation, the asymmetric information that an individual company has over us is, yes, it's an advantage, but not quite the same advantage as it was if your point of reference is, is perfect information versus uh, versus asymmetric information. If we're here, let's live in this fantasy world just for a second. Imagine okay. if in this fantasy world we did have perfect information about where we are now and also, uh, you know, perfect information about the future. We could all see the future. That would mean that there would be no risk. 
involved in, 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 in investments. And that would mean, uh, just finishing off on this point, yeah. that if I went to the bank and I had uh, $10 in it and uh, I said, look, I'd like to invest in this company because we all know it's going to grow really quickly. And it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's no gamble on your part to lend me this money. There's going to be no difference to that bank lending that money to somebody who's got £10 in the bank versus someone who's got £10 million in the bank because they have access to the same information. This is a surefire win. Uh, let's, let, let's lend to whoever wants to invest in this company. Well, you, you've actually hit on a rather interesting point here because if we had perfect information, then there would be no trading. Yeah, well, that, and that's what I was trying to get to. Exactly. That's the, right. the, 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 now, the, the whole point about capitalism is it's based on misinformation, isn't it? To, it almost needs it to survive. Now, the ironic thing is if you read, like I remember reading a paper by Hal Varian, who wrote the leading textbook on microeconomics for advanced courses back in the 1970s and 80s, and he's only recently been gazumped by guys even more bizarre than him uh, based in Spain called Mascalel. But I was reading one of his papers attempting to explain the stock market, and I was thinking, mate, you're heading down a very narrow track here. <laughs> he literally said it in the paper, said, of course this hypothesis implies that no trading actually occurs. <laughs> we'll jump over that and go to the next point of the model. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 the same thing every time you look at it like for milton friedman when milton friedman talked about what causes inflation when he had his helicopter analogy the helicopter was flying over and dropping the, the, the money, money. Yep. and it, it came to nobody was actually made it had made no difference to trading people just put their prices up because they thought prices were going to rise there was no trading involved so the theory ends up they're trying to explain the market economy and they have a model of the market economy which ends up saying no trading occurs so the point I was, don't, yeah. yeah, it's insane, insanely stupid. Right. So the point I was trying to lead to though was that uh, you know if we if we all had perfect information, it wouldn't. And yeah, as you're saying, it, no trading would happen because uh, uh, because because the, there's no no element of gamble in there. But because we have mm. because we do do have access to some information, which which helps you make a, a more measured. Uh, choice on who to invest in and what's going to give you the biggest return. Mm. It, it, that, the access to that information is key. Yeah, and it seems. And yeah. if 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 uh, if the and, and access to that information is largely driven, I suspect, by how much money you've got and how much you can yeah. afford to buy and who you know. Yeah, and information in the real world is some form of information is vital, not because it's necessarily it's going to tell you what's going to happen in the future, but because you realise how little you know, and therefore trying to find to know something more is always seen as advantageous. Again, the reference point of almost total ignorance means well, obviously I'm going to pay for some better information. The reference point of infinite knowledge means who cares about this stuff? What what who, what is what do people even bother advertising? And, and this is the the intellectually false uh, idea of having to start from the concept of perfect information. But in the real world, when we know that there's, I mean, we don't know most of what matters, then the question is, well, is information actually worthwhile? But certainly, I know that I don't know uh, a large amount. Whereas, <laughs> in in the Donald, in in terms of Donald, the the previous Donald Rumsfeld rather than Trump, uh, neoclassical economics presumes we live in a world of known knowns. And we don't. So uh, if it's if it's the domain of the rich uh, and the rich are making themselves richer, I mean, part of that equation obviously is because they have the money to invest. They and they can uh -huh. lever they can leverage against the the equity that they hold. But on the other side, it's because they have access to that information. I mean, uh -huh. surely, uh, it, it, and you know, a large part of uh, of the wealth that is generated in an economy is people making money from their investments. 
um, you could uh, governments uh, as a government policy, you could try and equalize income if you could change the education levels associated with investing. Mm, no, not really. <laughs> because, um, because because of the because uh, of the requirement for equity is too strong. No, because it's too damn difficult to do. I mean, most of us. Uh, th- this is one thing about information overload is is one of the issues in the in the capitalist economy as well. I love one. So, uh, what's his name? The Australian uh, uh, Clive James. Yeah. Uh, went to America and and made a point of staring at a a list of. Uh, options inside a hamburger joint in america well, i think they're going to be about, there are ten thousand different ways you could have your hot dog uh with you know, do you want this or that do you want fries with that you know etc cetera, etc cetera. You, you do your, your binary choice uh, uh calculations and you get two to the 20 pretty rapidly out of that and there's just too many potential variations even on a damn hamburger to uh, to to be so i'll just i'll have number three thanks so information overload is is more the problem rather than processing it. And the other intriguing thing is that people normally – like what you're saying here is information is biased in favour of the rich mm. and therefore information rich are going to make more money out of it. Maybe we should try to equalise the information. We simply haven't got time to process the information. Uh, but the other side of it is what happens with trade in terms of what is a wage? Is a, is a wage more or less – than the value that the the worker is adding, and most people would go with the usual. Even people who aren't Marxists, when they go, oh, it's got to be, you know, the workers get exploited. No, in fact, if you read Marx properly, as of course yours truly has done, Marx talks about the wage, the minimum wage being the uh, the the. the the, the the value which which worker workers should get is the minimum wage, not the actual wage. So Marx thought workers would get more than their value, and but lo and behold, uh, physicists have confirmed this using their statistical approaches to analysing economic data. I got a I got two separate papers sent to me to referee at one stage, both of which had found that in trying to do a model of investment earnings versus trading earnings uh, as ways of making money, with the rich making out of investment and largely the workers making out of trade by selling their labour. The only way that the uh, physicists could fit the data was by presuming that the trade uh, was biased in favour of the poor. Right. So the and that was that was empirically the case. So in in that sense, workers get paid more than they would get if they were paid just their their value, their contribution to production. And this that actually balances not as completely obviously, but it balances the information asymmetry in the other direction. So you're better off trying to say say how do we get the you know another way of getting the money to the uh, to the workers. Uh, not by trying to improve their information and get them to compete with the capitalists uh, where information and wealth are their advantages. Ain't going to happen, and they, we simply haven't got time to do it. Right, okay. So um, what about market crashes? If we had better information, would we be able to avoid uh, the crashes that we I mean, obviously, I mean, we've talked before about that they're, they're unavoidable, but could we lessen the chance? How much, how much of uh, what happens that is detrimental in the economy is the result of information that is either flawed or incomplete? Oh, well, it's, 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 you know, that's always a contributor, but the reality is information has to be incomplete in that sense because a huge part of what we're um, hoping to uh, profit out of depends on what happens in the future, which we can't know, and that applies to everybody, including uh, capitalists at the top end of the, the scale. And as Keynes brilliantly uh, put it, uh, we end up falling back on a set of conventions which are going to fail, but there's nothing else we can do. We assume that the the um, re- recent past is a reasonable guide to the future. 
which leads, of course, we never see turning points coming. Yeah. Uh, we accept that market prices are accurate, which, of course, we don't, we don't see market crashes coming. And the final line says, we endeavour to fall back on the judgment of the rest of the world, which is perhaps better informed. Now, of course, that, okay, herd behaviour comes out of that. Sure. And you're not going to, if you improve it by trying to improve the information, that it's a bit like saying, look, I know that, uh, that, that, that uh, of all the of all the, uh, un the minimal number of life rafts on the Titanic, the best built one is number 12. <laughs> Everybody climbs into 12 and 12 sinks faster than the Titanic itself. So you can't really use information in that sense to, uh, to evade the problem. What you've got to do is evade getting into the situation that causes crashes in the first place. Right, but uh, of which a large part is gambling, isn't it? And gambling is sort of like we gamble based on a, a, a modicum of, uh, of information. Uh, you know, if I'm betting on resources, I might study the form, but I never know what the outcome is. But I'm still, uh, I'm still a gambler, and uh, if I'm particularly bullish, I'll just put more money in and create bigger peaks. Yeah, um, but, but I think trying to address it by giving us more information doesn't address the fallacy that we have uncertainty about the future mm. and our speculations right. about that. That are going to be the major determinant of where of, of, of you know of, of where we put our money fundamentally, and uh, that's going to have herd behaviour to it. So I think we're just accepting that that's the case in capitalism is better than thinking we can actually counter it by more information. To quote one of my favourite uh, rejection notices from an editor of a, of a leading journal, the American Economic Review Macro, when I was having a go at him rejecting my paper on refereed on modelling the financial crisis, he literally wrote to me at one stage, but what if they get more information about the future? How would that change things? <laughs> right, it'd okay. It would change the nature of reality, mate. <laughs> I think it would. That's all we need to do is travel faster than the speed of light. And, uh, that's all we need got, to do. That's yeah. all. Exactly. Very simple process. All right. Simple. simple. At, at, at a more granular level, though, you'd have to argue that uh, getting more accurate information out of, out of companies uh, I, I guess I'm almost answering this question as I ask it, of course. But you know, we we know when we read uh, annual reports or we read information memorandums that come out of uh, companies that are seeking funds, uh, it's what's not said that is the most damaging information, isn't it? You know, it's it's the stuff that they yeah. are withholding. Mm, yeah, and that's I mean the whole idea that you can stabilize the market by having more information. Uh, is what people led people to think that all the uh, uh, stock picking companies and all the professionals doing it would mean the market would never have a crash. And the first person to articulate that theory soundly was one Irving Fisher. And I guess the so the answer is uh, it it it's always going to it's always going to be a punt. The people mm, the yep. people the people who are going to make that gamble are going to be the people who've got the money who can afford to lose it. Yeah, and I'd rather have them trying it than workers. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, like you and me, Steve. All right, okay, I think we've sort of uh, finished that one off then. Uh, there'll always be misinformation. Uh, there'll mm -hmm. always be a, a shortage of information, but it's not necessarily a bad thing because uh, if you're striving for it, you're striving for the impossible. You're striving to understand yeah. the future. Yeah. Yep. All right, appreciate your time. Talk again soon. Okay, mate, bye. And who does it really hit? It hits those people uh, who can most afford it. Uh, maybe there's bigger issues, bigger fish to fry uh, when we're looking at things like, for example, income disparity. That's it for this edition of the Debunking Economics podcast. I'm Phil Dobby. We'll catch you again with Professor Steve Keen very soon. Thanks for listening. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you've enjoyed listening to Debunking Economics, uh, even if you haven't, you might also enjoy The Y Curve. Each week, Roger Hearing and I talk to a guest about a topic that is very much in the news that week. It's lively, it's fun, it's informative. What more could you want? So search The Y Curve in your favourite podcast app or go to ycurve.com to listen.